0: Boy, you never know what you're going to get with this guy. It's um, it's great. But um, just to start off with, I, uh, how many have remember seeing the uh, uh, the Eric Little uh, story, the fellow that ran what's the name of it? Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire. And so um, we'd like to just. See a little portion of that to start us off. get off. This is a com- competition that uh, all the Great Britain came to. Lad, get up. reading this great book, it's called uh, Seven Men, and it's uh, written by this, um, um, let me put it, Eric Metaxons, and uh, he, um, he's identified seven significant men who have had quite a impact in their, in their world. And uh, the first one was George Washington second one was uh, Wilberforce. And the third one was Eric Little. So it's amazing. And just as the story goes, you, know, you see that he was, he was a, a runner. And he had unusual speed. And he actually set the world record in a 100-yard dash. Um, and it was, um, well, he went on and kept going on. But it, so uh, this, this little episode that we just saw here had him the... let uh, see this. I just want you to catch part of this. It says, If you've seen the movie, if you probably remember that one of the most unforgettable and dramatic scenes of the Chariots of Fire involved a quarter-mile race in which Eric was accidentally knocked down by a competitor but against all human odds, managed to win anyway. The remarkable event uh, really did happen in July 1923 in Stoke-on-Trent at a so-called triangular contest track, uh, track meet between Scotland, England, and Ireland. He was representing Scotland. Eric had, was badly knocked, and in the quarter-mile race at such a high level of competition... Fractions of a second determine the winner. Anyone knocked down is quite simply out of contention. But such accidents are unavoidable, and the intense rough and tumble uh, crowded of, of such a race. In this instance, however, despite the fact that he was 20 yards behind, Eric leaped back to the track and madly gave pursuit. And he was 20 yards behind, made the attempt uh, to rejoin the relatively short race seem utterly absurd. Nonetheless, Little ran at such an astonishing pace that the spectators were goggle-eyed and on their feet, wrapped by the unfolding scene before them. Accelerating from far behind, Little Managed to catch the and pass one runner after another, until impossibly, he finally to- overtook the leader and won the race. At last, gossip, uh, cl- at last, collapsing on the cinder track, it was a, it was an athletic performance for the ages, and no one who was there would ever forget. Now, what happened uh, in his life? was interesting. Um, he went on in 1924. He uh, was part of the Olympic team from Scotland and Great Britain and, as a whole. And um, they had the his great um, air, uh, area of all the races, the one that he was uh, or set the world record in at one time, was the 100-meter dash. And it was really amazing because... Um, when he got there, he found out that the first heat of the 100-yard dash would be um, t- done on Sunday. And he decided that he would not enter into that because Sunday was Lord's Day and he was not going to violate that. He'd always celebrate that and never, never do anything, any work or uh, other uh, things that uh, one would do but um so they tried, they tried to dissuade him, please run, please run, because it was an assured uh medal for uh, Scotland, and Scotland doesn't win very many of those uh, tri- those uh, events, so he uh, he he stuck with it, and then they put him in the um, the four hundred four hundred meter da uh, well r- roundabout and and usually dash men do not uh, do that very well, because they start out so fast they lose their energy around the halfway point. But he never lost. And matter of fact, one uh, columnist, columnist writing in the paper uh, during that time said it was amazing. We all thought he would never get. Uh, this was this was not the one in the. Um, uh, not the one in the uh, Great Britain a- effort, but this was in the uh, 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 in the uh, the Olympics, yeah, and so there he was. Well, it was interesting how um, he is known today, and even after ten years, fifteen years, he was known and guess what he was known for, not winning the gold medal in the four hundred. He was known that he was a man who stayed and lived in his integrity and followed in his commitments. And despite the difficulties that other people had with him, he became and well known as the man who stayed with his convictions. And that's tremendous. That takes courage. Huge courage. And so that was... Um, and then this one little uh, quotes that they... That he wrote, he said this, Have you learned to hear God's voice saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. Have you learned to obey? Do you realize the tremendous issues that may may be at stake? And then he goes on, he says, The words reflected just uh, that one famous decision, but the whole direction of his life. Surely the sacrifice of being alone in a war zone and the other side of the world from loved ones, which he was, he went on to be a missionary, and was a far greater sacrifice than foregoing the glory of the Olympic medal. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Lyndall said, If I know something to be true, I am prepared to follow it even though it is contrary to what I want. Will I follow it if it means being laughed at by friend and foes, or it means personal financial loss or some kind of hardship? Eric did his best to help adults do some of the things that he did to make tough decisions that will fill his heart and follow it with all of your heart. So it was quite a a challenge this, this man had, and you know, we just uh, see that so often, don't we? Um, that uh, these people who really do the great things, they really uh, do have so much to, to offer in who they were. He was killed as a, uh, he went over to China. He was a missionary for a num- quite a number of years and established uh, teams. He uh, taught in the college that they had. He did all kinds of things. People just loved him. And they loved him because of who he was, not because he won a medal. so it was really a, a challenge as I read this and and trying to also uh, just think through the th- uh, thoughts. what got me going in these um, the thoughts i 'm going to share with you tonight is the um, i think it 's on your uh, your table and it's it 's a little devotional that uh, Russell has taken and and uh, I gave that one to him and he uh, uh, Xeroxed it for us. So it, it don't, you don't need to write it now, but read it now. But it's, it's, uh, it's something about the heart. It's about the heart. And that's what you see in Eric Little. You see it in people throughout the scriptures. And some of you may even know uh, what some of the uh, people who have sacrificed tremendously because it was the thing God wanted them to do. So let me share a couple of these verses that uh, are really important about this. In Proverbs 21, 2, it says, All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. He's always looking at the heart. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You and I are just the sums of uh, the sum of our thoughts our, our direction our thinking of the heart and uh, interesting enough I discovered in my study here that the heart has a thinking capacity the heart thinks it isn't just emotional it thinks and it combines tremendous uh, p- power when it's really t- done and worked in, in, the, uh, in our own lives it's just tremendous and then the first Samuel 16, sixteen seven, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart. Not the heart of just we, in Valentine's Day, we give our wives or kids the girls, or you know, just something special. And we love them and hug them. Uh, but what we're talking about here is the heart that directs our life. It's the deepest driving element in your body, in your psyche, in your spirituality it's it's the thing and so that's really important for us to understand that so not as it speaks with uh with his life uh we don't just you know we won't get a lot speaking about our life and where we've been and all our experiences but the heart will preserve that which is eternal and it will lead you into directions of the eternal ways and as you get to know God and to get it to know in the Word and stay with Him and get your mind filled with the, what would Jesus do, with the, the controls, the ways of Jesus, the attitudes of Jesus, they then begin to fill our heart, the thinking part of our heart, to make decisions that are very, very key to us. The Lord looks at the heart, and then when He does with us, and the reference points come from the heart I was really uh, challenged uh, to think about David in this um, because that's uh, David as you know entered the scene in 1 Samuel and and uh, he was the last of the sons of um, Jesse and he wasn't even thought of it looked like the, the, the dad Jesse didn't even make it didn't, didn't think uh, of him and almost was reminded he had a, a a young son and so when they said well this is all the sons you have Samuel asked him he said oh well there is one more by the way you know where is he I don't know I probably haven't seen him in days and maybe weeks and months but he was the nothing in the family and of course at that time the last one was truly the last got hardly any uh, inheritance and so here he was and he came back in and they um that was the one and so you follow his life and he was really a worshipper and a warrior warrior you, you know the battles if you've ever uh, read through all of uh, his life a, uh, he just an amazing, amazing uh, leader in, in com- combat if you will in war so he was a warrior as a matter of fact because he was such a warrior God wouldn't let him build the tabernacle so it's um, you know it was, that was the one side, but he was also a worshiper, and we know that as we looked in the Psalms. So many of the Psalms he was he wrote the most of them, and his heart was going out to the out to God. But he he was also complained to God. He he, he was frustrated with some things. You know, one one place in Psalm seventy three, it was uh, he was a um, uh, had trouble with the fact that uh, he was. Keeping so pure and so good, and and he then he saw all the people who weren't pure and weren't good, and the people who weren't followers of God. uh, They were doing well. Uh, They they had the they had the all the right cars, and they had the big houses, and they had the nice vacations, and all the rest. And and so he says, is there any value, any worth? Of keeping myself clean and and, uh, denying myself from all these things. I mean, I'm doing this. Aren't you? You know, going to do something to these other people? And Jesus or God then, towards the end of that chapter, says, He says these people will face judgment. And He said, You'll be way ahead of them. You know, you 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 will not suffer. And there's the day that judgment comes. And he reminded him of that, and of course he pressed on, but he was very different uh, paul was As a matter of f- i mean paul uh, uh, david was as a matter of fact it's kind of interesting to uh, there's one passage one verse that is really quite interesting this um, and that's uh, that's acts uh, acts thirteen twenty two acts thirteen twenty two is uh, one of the verses that you you're, you're challenged and you wonder why. Paul was a murderer. Excuse me, I keep saying Paul. David, David was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a sinner uh, in a very strong way where he, was, uh, he wanted to account all the people uh, and all the, the soldiers and the armies and the, of tribes and, and um, they told him not to do this and he did it anyhow because it would make him overconfident and trust his soldiers and the, his warriors that he had rather than trust God so God even said don't do it and he did it anyhow i don't know whether we do that but sometimes we look at our own life and we you know we know something is wrong but we do it anyhow well that's what he did and so you see that side of him and you wonder this about this verse this verse says this he, that is God, testified concerning him. So, this is the testimony of God uh, for David. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, and he will do anything I want him to do. Isn't that amazing? Does that bring you hope uh, in your life? I mean, if David could do all these things, so I went back and I've taken—it's actually over a year—just looking into the uh, events of David's life. And one thing I was looking for: did he ever lose heart? Did he ever embrace idols? Now, if you'll notice, uh, the Israelites all through those uh, in the Old Testament, we—the the place that or the 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 act that. God just was uh, uh, so filled with, with uh, not only sadness, but um, they would suffer for it. Now, why was it that idolatry is the, um, the trigger of God's, God's judgment on people? He's a jealous God. Yep, he's a jealous God. And, and, and an, idol, an idol is one where you have loyalty to you have high commitment to, and and uh, so whether it can be modern things that we have today or or others, but uh, when that happened, they sinned, and Jesus, and uh, David sinned, but he never lost his love for God. He was a rascal, you know. He he did things, and and uh, uh, a lot a lot happened. But the fact is, I've looked at that so many times. I you know, when I've I've sinned in a way that I feel so so heavily um, condemned in doing that and I've come back to the Lord and said Lord you just know my heart I really love you I, I will do anything for you and, and you know you, you want to talk to him and you ask for forgiveness and so it's, it's a really a, a great challenge and this is the way it was with David he never stopped loving God and I think that's um, we could uh, you know he knows that because he looks into the heart and he sees who's number one he looks into the heart and he sees who's number one and so that's a big one for us and so we don't want to do anything like that well that really surprised me when I saw some of these things taking place um, the heart and the mind go together as I told you the heart has a mind so it goes together it's it's. Uh, It's who we are and our values and what we're driving for. But there are two things that are very important that one must have. One is what you think you can do. And the other is what you believe you ought to do. Those two things are very, very important. What you think you can do. See, if you do not believe that you're capable, you will not try right we don't try something if i don't uh, they're looking for a third man in a in a swimming relay and they come up to you and they said hey you you swim and you said no no not that that fast no i can't i can't uh, i can't step in as a team member you know you know that you. so you, you what you think you can do is really important and then what you believe you ought to do sometimes in life you are you may believe that you can do something but that you ought not to do. But these two things just begin to form something that's very important. I had a, a very good friend who um, who worked up his, his way in the purchasing department of uh, American Airlines. And uh, he was just one notch uh, under the... Um, the head of purchase, all of purchasing, uh, is vice president. And uh, so he started this this job. And he had the responsibility for all the, the contract that the uh, American Airlines got with um, uh, another company. It was a computer company that would take care of all their computer systems. And so wherever you were, where you'd come up and uh, check in, or over the telephone to make a reservation, all those computers were under this company that they just gave a contract to, and the contract was um, very clear. But it seemed though that the the first three or four months, all kinds of things happen that in the computer world it set set them back a little bit. They probably missed uh, several million dollars uh, just in a few. 10 10 to 12 seconds dropout they had. Uh, I mean, it was just a a very poor performance by this group. And so um, his vice president called uh, called him in, and we'll call him Charlie. And Charlie, um, he said to Charlie, listen, this is not going to happen again. And he slammed his fist on his desk. He says, Charlie, I want you to get those people in here and let's nail them to the wall. They're not going to get away with this. We cannot have this happen again. And so he says, we probably need to get rid of them. And uh, so then Charlie said, uh, well, no, we we can't really get rid of them. They're, they're in too deeply. Uh, and they're they're doing some things that uh, are halfway done. And so if we pull them out, we'd be really in trouble. So he says, well, I, I just want this man in my office in uh, tomorrow. So... Um, Dave quickly uh, or Charlie uh, quickly went to um, uh, went to a couple places to get some advice and he gave me a call and he said what do you think how should I handle this he says this is not my nature to to nail someone to yell at someone to wag a finger and accuse people uh, i'm just not that way and he said but uh, i said well what what is your way what is your way and I, I knew somewhat what he answered, but he says, "I'm I'm a relational person, and I, I I can't I don't know whether I can handle this relationally." So I said, "Charlie, what I would do is one one thing. I'd go up to your uh, to your VP and tell him I I can't handle this the way you are going to handle this, but you're just going to have to bear with me because I am going to handle it differently. You show up, and it, it will will go through this." And he'll be here, the um, the vendor, the, the the leader of this vendor group. Um, so he came back, and that, uh, and so what he was going to do is to just go to him, give him a call, phone call this this uh, uh, president, and say, this is you know uh, Charlie from American Airlines, and I know we've been back and forth so much here, but he said, I need from you what you think you failed in. And I need for you not only to art, be able to articulate, to articulate that tomorrow morning, but also I need to have you say from your own, your own thinking what you're going to do to correct this and make amends. And so he says, okay, I can do that. He says, well, I'll ask you the question tomorrow morning. So they game, and he brought uh, this. This uh, president came in of this company, and and then we had several other people, and and this uh, VP was really, you know, had this ugly face on, and, and it came down, and he sat down and just folded his hands or arms across his chest, and so Dave says, "Well, I think we all know why we're here, or Charlie. Uh, I, I think we know now we're all we're here," but he says, "I want to uh, just." Uh, say that what we'd like to do is walk out with an understanding and, and, a, and a solution. And so then he asked that uh, president, he said, would you please um, tell us how you feel about what's gone on in these last four months? And so he did. He started to take uh, uh, where he was before. He was ready to defend himself and come back hard, but he uh, this the way uh, Charlie handled him, he, he couldn't, you know, he just said, tell us what you think about your work and what's taken place and he did and he explained it and he apologized and then at the end of his uh, discussion of that he says we're prepared, we've identified all the problems, we're now prepared to work 24 hours 7 days a week and correct it all and we're also prepared to give back to you several million dollars that we we did not do what we promised to do, and so he took the responsibility. It was an honorable thing. He didn't feel bad and yelled at. And when uh, Charlie was telling me this, uh, he he looked over and at this um, the the president, and then this vice president, and his vice president was just sitting there amazed because he wanted him to just yell at him and tell him. But uh, this Charlie, what he did was turned everything around he, he made he allowed this man to keep honor and he basically by doing the way he did it in the way god wired him to do it it turned out to be that company rallied did everything they promised and they're off and running six six months later all the things they were able to do in between and so this takes you know this is where we are isn't it i mean he um Charlie had to do uh, do it in a way that fit him, but also when it fit him, God, when he took that step of faith, God came in, and he settled the, the heart, gave him the questions to ask this other person, and after it was over, this uh, the VP of American Airlines uh, in the purchasing area invited to, uh, uh, this invited him in, uh, Charlie, to, and it just sat there, and he said. I, I just can't believe what just happened. He says, well, what do you mean? He said, how you were able to turn this whole thing around. I was I a was set here, look at my notes. I had 50 things that they had failed in and things that I went around and made my own list. He said, I was ready to eat them up. And uh, never did it. Never really got a chance to say anything. And when it was over, he agreed with the, uh, the solution that this um, this president passed on. And so it's it's the, the what I was amazed is how Charlie just took who he was, and God just led him to to say, "Go that way." Don't let him lose honor. You know, I just notice that oftentimes when you don't accuse somebody person, you wave fingers at you know it, it instead just ask what do you think what happened here what can we do what can you do to make make what you, uh, right it's amazing how it, ch- it changes the whole atmosphere so it's very critical that you see in the part of uh, Charlie says what what you think you can do he knew he could do that he knew he could do that if he could do it his way and his personality the way God had it, and God ushered in and put a plus factor, just a tremendous effort on that. So it's really important to understand those things and how God works. Um, Foundationally, um, we must believe that God expects from us that he will, when he gets that, what he expects from you, he will empower me. And just the way he empowered Charlie. He empowered him because he was moving in the, the will of God. He was saying, yes, I can do this, but I need the power of God to make it go. It needs to be bigger, not just to, for me, but it means to be touching some of the others in the room. And these are absolutely ter- uh, uh, crucial to us. And your faithfulness and meeting the, his expectations will make an eternal difference. You meet God's expectation and go on. And then but let's just take a look at this, um, this guy, David, because David did have uh, he was the only one in the Bible that said that he, he is a man after my own heart, and he'll do anything, anything, I ask him to do. Wouldn't you like to have that on your tombstone? He he did everything. He is after the heart of God. And he will do anything God asks him to do. Well, David showed up, and we know, in First uh, Samuel 16, where he comes in as the last, and then he was anointed. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And that's a good start, isn't it? To have the sp- Spirit of God come upon us. But what he did is, I noticed that even... As he walked into the um, battlefield area, and I've been there and looked down and seen where um, the, the Philistines were on one side and the Israelites were on the other side, and it, it's just amazing. And so, as this tour guide was just explaining to us how they camped out there, they saw there, but then up in the up in the woods was was uh, and up on the kind of a little hill, but it was rocky, is where the Uh, israelites were and you know they came out and and this this goliath came forward and blasphemed the armies of the living god and he said to him uh you know they they that's all he did is roar like a lion but they all went back and so he saw that everybody saw what was happening but it was only david since he had an anointing of the holy spirit upon him he had that anointing that he looked and he saw something totally different. Have you ever had that experience? We have looked at a situation that's bad and realized what ha- was something is happening here and it's not right. And so that's what David did. He said, this is not right. This man is blaspheming the armies of the living God. And you might say, hey, yeah, well, listen, he's also uh, big, let's not get too serious about it. But that's just the way it was with Eric Little. You know, he just didn't go to. Church. He went to church and it wouldn't run. I mean, there are people who tried to dissuade him to say, "Listen, you know, don't know where you're going to get. You, you get great honors if you could get that gold medal for the hundred yard dash. The hundred yard dash is the prime, uh, is the great the fastest man in the world. They, they call him whoever holds the world record. I mean, that that for this. This young man, uh, who was a Scot- Sc- Scotsman, he um, it was amazing. They could have just talked about. Listen, it's you know, just forget this Sunday, but just think what we what we think of us uh, about Sundays. You know, it's um, we. You, you, I'm, I'm glad that um, you know the, the Broncos uh, play, but uh, you know on those days and all the rest. But you know, I, I wonder what's often. I wonder how how do we do that. On uh, the Sabbath day, I've thought of that. That's a little diversion. But there, there's, you know, just how do we do that as, as a life and as a family? We've talked a lot about that. But, but it's amazing. And so this, uh, it started out. And so first of all, um, they cried out. They cried out, this uh, Goliath. He called out to the Israelites and he says this. He said, give me a man and let us fight each other. Give me a man. I think God is still asking that. Give me a man that will stand up. Give me a man that I can anoint. Give me a man that will believe that I can be the power that he needs. He doesn't have to be power. He doesn't have to be bigger than that man. But he's that's. give me a man was the first request. Then the second was that um, he, was, he was so young. And David was a simple shepherd. Now, what prepared him for battle? Well, he went on and told that to to Saul later. But they um, there was just things that going on that the action. There was no action. No, no, no one said let's fight or gather a few others and say let's we ten go down there and try it. Let's do something. Nothing. But they were they were embarrassed by this young seventeen year old. And then he went on. He said, uh, you know, all were fearful, and they ran. He was the only one that was not fearful because he was filled with the Spirit of God, but he was also, he, he just didn't get, uh, uh, f- become fearful out of that because he knew God was going to deal with this. And God came upon this, and he, he told them, you're going to do this. You're going to take this on. So that's where he went to Saul. And then Saul tried to give him his armor, and then he said, listen, you can't do it. You've never battled anything. And he says, well, I've killed a a lion, and I've killed a bear, and I've done all this other stuff. I, I've i tried that, but this guy will be no worse than the others. I can take him on. And so he did. And he stepped out into the the arena, if you will. There was a book down there, and, and we could see it. it actually, it still has the, the same... Uh, outline. They were, they were going through a, a drought, and so there wasn't any water running down the creek. But um, we could see it. It was a kind of an aw- awkward feeling to see that that's where Je- that's where the young David went through and picked up those smooth stone- stones. And and but then you see where his heart out, as, where his heart was. It says, and David ran to the battle lines, ran to the battle lines. And then he says, and when the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. So he was there standing there, and they all ran back. David asked, it says, David asked the men standing near him, what will it be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? So he was doing nothing as well. And who is this uncircumcised Philistine who should defy the armies of the living God? So there was a reason. There was was something that they had to face. He had to believe that he could do this, but not he, but God. And so David said to Saul, No one, no one, um, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And these are the parts I uh, love here. He finally got out and in there. And Saul said to, to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. The Lord was already with him. And then he said, as he went on here, and he got into the battle area, says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, and I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And God, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, and defiled. This day the Lord will hand over you to me. He was confident. He knew that he could do this because God was with him. I'll strike you down and cut you off your head. Today I will give you carcass to the Philistine army, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathering... Here will know that it is not by by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into His hands. So here's where God says, "Can I do this?" Probably in the flesh, He couldn't do this, but because He wanted to do this, and He responded to God's um, God's, you know, uh, what He did before in the with the the lion and the bear and all the rest but he knew that God could do this again so with this great confidence he head out, he headed out down into the into the uh, creek area came up out of it and and then he did exactly what God just expected God to work i mean you know that 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 little slingshot and that uh, that stone uh, was was you know not a big uh Big threat, at all. But what was the threat? Is that he he had God, who was going to just you know steer that thing right where it needed to be. So it was a a great uh, opportunity for God to display a man whose heart, as it says, who's sought the heart of God and responded to the heart of God, and his heart and God's heart matched. And then he took it on. So this is the kind of thing. And, and uh, from the heart comes the courage. It comes courage. You, you, uh, you can see with David. It was the, his heart connected with what God had said to him into his heart. He, he, he brought courage. Courage that uh, David probably couldn't conjure up himself at all. But he, he could. God brought that to him and so the courage was really uh powerfully given to him so we need to follow the lord and open our hearts in these things i find it as i went over some of these passages and um, i uh you you find that you have where is what's in your heart what's your heart saying to you about your life about your your roles that you have uh about the things that are going on around you or all the things that uh, God is speaking to you about. So there is a heart, is a heart listening, and I would pray that all of us would someday be able to say that uh, we sought God with all our heart. And what's the last part? And what? He said, and he will do anything I ask him to do. So let's just pray for a moment. Lord Lord, we know as we looked at this this man, David, and just as young man and how he responded to you because he sought your heart and he allowed you to touch his heart and think new ways. It didn't bother you to look at this big nine foot giant because you knew that with God he could do this and with your power working in him and he aligned himself with that he knew the way God worked he had that confidence and so he could do that same with uh, with uh, Philip and the others that have or, uh, the other illustration I gave you just he knew that God was with him He knew that God was pointing out, don't do this his way. Do it my way. And it took courage, tremendous courage. But you blessed him, and you worked through that situation to touch his heart. So, Lord, we just thank you that you are with us, and we pray that we will be quick to grab a hold of what you want us to do in situations that will... That we could uh, not even imagine ourselves that your goodness to us and your power and the speaking of your of life into our mind and our heart that we might be obedient. So we pray these things and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: This morning when I was up early, um, it was just so clear, the Lord, the Spirit just wanted to direct me into the Psalms, and as I was reading, I was just reflecting and reading, and all of a sudden I'm reading these words, and he chose, sorry, out of um, Psalm 78, he chose David his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel his inheritance and David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands he led them. Psalm 78. I, I just, um, tonight as Paul was praying, I just have to believe that the spirit of God wants to speak, um, to a few of you men. And I've been a student of courage for a long time, and the Lord really just um, uh, revealed something uh, to me in light of Paul and I's relationship—the uh, the, the depth that we have and the friendship that we have. Um, if you would imagine, kind of, a, the, literally the picture that came to mind just as Paul was praying it was just like this dirt. And, you know, when we go into some reflective times, which is not very comfortable, so let's just go ahead and admit that. Um, you begin shoveling a little bit, and, and you get down to a little bit closer to the root of what's going on. And this is the picture that I had. Is that sometimes there's the root of fear. And when you interact with men, and you invite... Um, when you invite others to speak into your life, to impart courage, it's only going to shed the light of encouragement and wisdom and insight and understanding to the depth that you open up those roots. And so, for for Paul and I's relationship, I have gone to the root with a few trusted men, and Paul's one of those men. And, and getting to the root of those fears or insecurities and having the counsel of the Holy Spirit, the counsel of the Word and counsel of wise men speak to that root that literally ends discouragement. And that's just a picture that I think the Holy Spirit wants to give to you guys tonight because really if I could call it a word, it's just secrets. And, and maybe because you've had trust violated, that you're, you're not going there with anyone. But to whatever degree that you're comfortable this evening, just speak to these guys to just a fear. Something that would rob your courage. Something. And speak to that and let these men around the table... Just speak courage and encouragement into you. And as time and maturity and you grow, I believe God was going to want to get to the depth of those fears. So those fears are replaced with faith. Michael, can you put up that um, statement for... uh, I hadn't thought about this really till now, but for some of you guys who are new... This semester, for me, as I reflected and came, uh, this summer and came into it, this is, we're, we're in a semester of a, a developmental pathway. And this is my statement. This is how I declare to the Lord and to you men and how I search the scriptures, because this today is where this man wants to grow. That I want to grow in the courage to lead And the wisdom to work. And the faith to believe. The bookends of that statement really just became clear to me tonight as Paul was talking about David. The depth of his inspirational courage to run to the battle line against Goliath. Had everything to do with his belief. It wasn't in what he could do. But it is his belief in who God is and what he can do through you. And so um, this is my statement. What's your statement? How do you want to grow? What, what are the areas of your life that, that need to be settled and grown that you become mature men of God he's calling you to be? Tonight we talked about courage. talked about the heart. And for some of you men, there's places in your heart that he wants to heal. And... That's, that's not something that gets resolved in an evening, but it's a journey that you step into and you commit to that. And you commit to that just by walking with men saying, hey, I, I want to grow and I want to walk in this way. And for me, the root of that courage is that whenever I'm discouraged, is it the, really the root of that is some sort of fear or insecurities. And so, guys, what's your statement and how do you want to grow? So this evening, we just have a couple questions that you guys can respond to. I want to encourage you to uh, take time to even look at this devotional, just as food for thought, this evening. Um, you know, this is a big subject, but it really is the difference maker. And I, I just wanted to um, tonight just say thank you. Uh, thank you. The last year of the net has been really for me, facing some major fears and growth to even get to where we are today. But now I've I've had an opportunity to lead at a whole other level of influence. And what God is doing in opening doors for me in a work context, it has everything to do with the courage to step into that and the belief that God is going to meet me there when I get there. This cannot get any more real for you men. It can't get any more real for me. And the catalyst for that has really been a lot to do with just this environment with you men. So thank you. It's awesome. So I encourage you just to enjoy the conversation. You're not on. You don't have to share whatever you're not comfortable with. But just engage and enjoy the company of good men tonight. So let me pray once again and then you guys can interact. Father, thank you again for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the promise that just that the wicked man flees, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lion. I just pray boldness and courage over these men tonight. Let us be men that walk out of this door with hearts that are just so full of what God can do in and through us that we would run to the battle line of our fears and those that would oppose us. And we would just look in defiance with confidence what the Lord wants to do. And Lord, give us eyes to see and a vision for what you are going to do. And that when we step forward, that when these men really step forward in boldness to the line of faith, that the enemy will run. And Lord, I just pray for that day. And let it be tonight. Father, we thank you. We love you. Just pray for just, um, your, your sweet presence just to be known among us, move among us now in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen.